You're listening to 06 Answers, where every week we interview a different member from the West Point class of 2006. When you ask 06 questions, you'll get 06 Answers. Welcome to 06 Answers. I'm Matt Wang, your podcast host. On today's episode, I am pleased to catch up with Priya Rednam. She is currently based out of Detroit, Michigan, and works as a psychotherapist. Priya is originally from St. Louis, Missouri, and was an E1 as a plebe and F4 as an upperclassman. How are you doing today, Priya? I'm doing really well. I'm so happy to be with you. Yeah, thank you for supporting the podcast, but also jumping on to be a guest. And it's it's great because we got to reconnect and catch up from our Buckner days yes. uh, way back when. And, you know, we were trying to share a couple of memories. Do you still keep in touch with anyone, either from Buckner or from Beast or from those early days? Let me think about that. That's a great question. I, yeah, because it's so funny how those were such important times in our lives and we were together so intimately for such a uh, condensed period of time. I would love to say that I keep in touch with everyone. I do keep in touch with people that have like overlapped. For example, not someone, I guess, in our platoon, but Steph Davison, um, who was, you know, a, a good friend of mine, is a good friend of mine. She overlaps with my the lacrosse team that I was a part of. And mm-hmm. so we've kept in close touch. Yeah. As, as you're asking me that, I realize I've actually lost touch with most of the people <laughs> that I was close with. Um, so yeah. I, I'm really hopeful that through this podcast, maybe I'll be able to reconnect with some of those people. Yeah. And hopefully people remember, they're like, oh yeah, I forgot I was in, you know, aid company or whatever. <laughs> people yeah. will say like, I should reach yeah, out to I my had, uh, I teammates. I had such a good time. So I, uh, well, not a beast. <laughs> I had such a good time at Buckner. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's funny that some of those relationships, you just, you just drift, um, not for any negative reason, but you just drift. So I feel like, you know, we just scattered all across the, you know, the U S and also the world. And I feel like you're one of the few guests from the Midwest that we've had. So I feel like there's been a huge conglomerate from the West coast, some on, you know, North Carolina, but I feel like we're not giving the Midwest enough love. So can you tell us a little bit more about your journey from St. Louis to West Point? Yeah, I was born and raised in St. Louis and I, Really, I've always kind of marched my own drum is what I think my parents would say, um, because in my community, you know, there's some appropriate, okay careers to have, like being a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. That's pretty much it. Maybe IT, you could throw that in now too. And my siblings are physicians and I, yeah, I just really wanted to do something different and I ended up you know how all of the academies have um, like a little summer camp type of thing you mm-hmm. can do the year prior. So I actually went to each of the Navy, Air Force, and West Point and tried them out, you know, for a week. Of course, it was a lot more fun than it actually is when you get started. But I really loved the cadets that I met at West Point. I just felt like they were my kind of people. And so I, yeah, I applied and I convinced at 17 my parents who knew nothing about the military to, you know, sign the paperwork to allow me to go there. And they were, you know, how you are at 17. They were really nervous about it. I was like, no, invincible. This is totally fine. I've never failed at anything. So how could I possibly, you know, find this challenging? Delusional really is what it was. Um, And. (laughs) So, and then I found my way to West Point and I had always really kind of imagined that I would go somewhere far for school. All of my extended family is still in India, at least was at the time. And so 
you know, it's just my parents, my siblings and I in St. Louis. So there was never pressure to like stay local and New York always sounded really cool to me. And yeah, so that's how I ended up there. And yeah, I actually turned 18 during Beast. So I was oh my really gosh. <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Well, Priya, maybe that'll be a good segue into the actual questions. So I'll just jump into sure. question one. And what's a core memory or story of yours from the West Point days that stands out that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, this was really fun to think about. I was going down memory lane for the you know since I talked to you, and there's so many that I just totally forgot about. Not not an attempt to like stuff them away, but they just you know you gain new memories, and there's only so much brain space you've got. But Two things stand out to me most. The first and very foremost is my, I guess it's an umbrella of memories, being a part of the Army Lady Lacrosse team. I actually am wearing my Lady Lac swag this morning. Um, I wear it all the time. I love answering questions about it. And what's really funny is I had never played lacrosse before going to West Point, and I got on the team. I want to say that my dear friend Steph Davison might have put like a bug in the coach's ear to get me on the team. And at the time, I could run decently fast. So I think that helped because I didn't know what I was doing otherwise. And it was just so lovely to have a group of girlfriends that were, I mean, I just always felt supported. I felt like it was such a break from the pressure and the stress of school and so much fun. And I actually, in St. Louis, from kindergarten through graduation from high school, was an all-girls school and, and a small school at that. And so female friendships were so important to me. And then certainly um, West Point, it felt like I was coming into an all-boys school and, you know, I was 17. I was a teenager. I was still figuring out who I was, all of that. And I think plebe year, I did not do lacrosse. And I felt very, in addition to it just being a challenging year for all of us, I felt kind of like I hadn't found my people yet. Like I had ones and twos of people that were wonderful friends, but I hadn't found my core group yet. And so once I joined the lacrosse team, that was amazing. And then my first year, we actually went to nationals, which was kind of amazing. I will say I was right in the bench the whole time, <laughs> but I was proud to be a part of the team. And it was just such a fun trip. And I will always remember that very, very fondly. And that I really credit being a part of Lady Lax as how I was able to be successful at West Point and graduate at all. The other smaller memory that I just had such a chuckle laughing about was I happened to see a turkey randomly. They're around Detroit out on the street. And it reminded me of plebe year. I had an awesome remote who I've totally lost touch with. So I'm hoping through this podcast, I will be able to reconnect. Her name was Liz Kent. And she and I, um, you know, you can't go anywhere necessarily in a weekend. So I remember us bundling up middle of winter and walking up to the PX for our big adventure and seeing a turkey along the way. And that was really exciting. And we would go up to the PX, get our like junior Whopper from Burger King, our Hershey Sunday pie, which I'd never had before then. It was amazing. And it was just so like fun, which it's so like small, but when you can't do anything else to be with a really nice friend and 
have a little adventure like that, trudging through the snow, it felt like a big deal at the time. And those small memories, I think, really are what I cherish from from school. Yeah. Whose idea was it to go up to the PX? Was it Liz or yours? (laughs) I don't know. I'm sure we put our heads together and we're like, we got to do something. We got to get out of this room. And yeah, I remember the snow being like knee high. It was a really, and you know, that we took that hill, I guess on the back side. And so it was, it was kind of a workout to get up there. And so then I suppose we were probably really ready to dive into our, to our Whopper and onion rings or whatever we had from, um, Burger King. Yeah, no, you're just reminding me about all the different adventures you can have on Westwood as a plebe or as a yuck if yeah. you're stuck yeah. on posts. And I feel like the sure. PX definitely is one of those places you had to hit up. And yeah. the hill was the only challenge, like you said, and in yeah. austere conditions with the snow and then you have to worry about wildlife. I can only imagine what it was like back then. Uh, but I remember it still being really fun. And I guess that's a beautiful thing about West Point is when you think about other college experiences of what freshmen might be doing, you could be kind of wallowing and like, oh, this isn't fun. But it has a way of like reframing for you what fun can be. And it ends mm-hmm. up being a lot more about the people than actually what you're doing, which I think is kind of special about the place. Yeah, no, so true. Well, Priya, I'll move on to question two in... I'll ask you, uh, what's something that you're most proud of since graduation? With this question, you know, it could go a lot of different ways, but I found myself thinking most about finding my way kind of in the world. And I know I'm 38, like I don't have to act like it's this huge long journey, but I think I was so sure I knew what I wanted to be. And I think I was encouraged to like have everything planned out as a young person which I appreciate my parents for encouraging me to do that because I would be nothing without them. But what I actually realized upon graduation is that I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up and I don't know exactly the way that I want to go. And I'm actually really proud of myself for taking things as they come and having experiences. I've gone to school a few times. I thought I wanted to do one thing and then I did another thing. And I'm actually really proud that I was really open to opportunities, even within the Army. I started, you know, in a kind of a traditional, I was in Medical Service Corps, so I started in a traditional ambulance unit, got deployed, did detention health care. And then when I came back, I was in a veterinary unit. I'm not even an animal person. I hate to say that, but I didn't grow up with animals. So, but there'd be like dogs or parakeets or whoever, right, in the office. It was like Dr. Doolittle at Fort Bragg. And then after that, I ended up taking command at the Army's Research Institute for Infectious Diseases. So they're making like working on the Ebola vaccine and ricin and chikungunya, all these things I'd never even heard of. They These incredible scientists, and I got to be the medical commander there, um, working with all these awesome soldiers. And I think if if I had it all planned out, I would have never picked those things to be involved in, but I'm so glad that I did. And as a part of that journey, I met my husband at Fort Detrick where I was in command. And through all of that too, I realized, I think a part of that journey is I was finding myself, like figuring out who I was as a grown-up. And a part of that was my mental health, recognizing that a lot of the things that I had done to be successful were maybe not the healthiest. So 
a lot of kind of like obsessive tendencies, accommodations that I would make, like lists, so many lists um, that were helpful for me to be successful, but also were actually a symptom of uh, mental health challenges. So as I grew in my career and got out of the military and had the privilege really of working at different nonprofits, working with kids and child abuse prevention. And then I went back to school, got my master's in public health and my master's in social work, and then um, worked in in another nonprofit um, for victim advocacy. I realized there were a lot of experiences that I had along the way that had impacted my mental health. And I'm really proud of myself for working on those things. And so kind of fast forward to recently, I've been recognizing how post-traumatic stress, as well as obsessive compulsive tendencies, as well as attention deficit, all of those have been impacting me. I've just, I've, uh, yeah, I've been working on myself and it's been really fulfilling, especially as a therapist now to be on the other side of it and know like, oh, when you work on yourself, when you do these things, you can actually have really wonderful outcomes. Yeah. And it really informs my everyday, like how I am able to enjoy life and how I feel really fulfilled in my career now. So I'm actually really grateful for the long and windy road that I took. And I suppose most most proximally, I experienced some post-traumatic stress with connection to the birth of my first um, child. And that was really hard to admit as well as like, really recognize, oh, it was resulting in postpartum anxiety and OCD tendencies. And now that I've really done some good work on it, I get to enjoy my kids so much more and enjoy my family. And yeah, I'm just really, really proud of myself for that because I think way back when, when I was at West Point, I thought, again, I'm invincible. I don't need to do this work. I somehow have it all figured out. And I realize now the beauty is not having it figured out, but instead like the journey. It's not about the end and it's about the journey. So um, that's been really amazing. And I feel very grateful to be where I am now. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Priya. You know, the, a lot of things just resonate with me as you were talking. And the one thing you said about, you know, going back to the West Point days, like everyone was, right? As they said, a high school hero, then it's kind of like, it's a West Point, you're like a West Point zero. They kind of brought <laughs> down to eat some humble pie, but also like the conditions that we were in, in terms of getting ready to deploy, you know, hearing yeah. announcements from the poop deck, right? Of unfortunate incidents, yeah. things like that. So it's, it's like it really forced us to also grow up and mature in a quick manner. And it's like, we had to kind of figure out how to embrace the journey later. At least yeah. I felt like, and, and it sounds like some of what you said too, also could have been that way. So really appreciate you sharing. And I, I was going to ask you maybe going back to the West Point days, is there any like specific role or, or, you know, kind of position there that kind of inspired you to think going forward, like, oh, maybe this is something I can get a little bit more into or. Yeah, I don't know that I connected the dots then, but I was a counselor at Beast. And I think I actually was just like, I want to be a nice person <laughs> at Beast, you know, <laughs> I, I am not a, maybe my, my kids would disagree, but I'm not a really stern person. And so, yeah, I was like, I just want to be myself, which now as I, you know, being in the military and on, um, I know authenticity is so important. And so that offered me um, an opportunity for some authenticity. And I got to meet, you know, people that I 
didn't necessarily cross paths with, but up until then, and we got to be counselors together and that was really fun. Yeah. And I just got to be a support to the new cadets and they looked so young. It's so funny how like really quickly they just look like babies. And yeah, so that as well as just, I guess now that I'm talking about, I'm like, oh, and every opportunity in the army that I had to like mentor, even yuckier, like having an opportunity to mentor new cadets, like I really always loved supporting people in that way. So um, yeah, I didn't realize that at the time, but that would certainly inform my career decisions later. Very cool. Yeah, I, I remember I just wanted to be a Beast Platoon Sergeant just to yell at people. <laughs> but I think that was just, you know, I was harboring some resentment from my casual. Sure, sure. <laughs> Maybe I'll pivot to, to question three, Priya. Sure. So this is more of a reflective question, or it could just be sharing some sort of hidden talent, but what do you wish more people knew about you? One kind of funny thing that maybe just my really closest friends from West Point would know is that I actually came to West Point to be an astronaut. Like I was 100% all in, like I will be the first woman on Mars. Like, you know, I was I was convinced of it. And um, so that's just kind of like a funny one. And then I started, I started out, I was an aerospace engineering major. And then I took like one class, I think it was engineering math. Oh my gosh, that class rocked my world. I had a C in it, which not knocking C's, but that was not what I was expecting to have in it. <laughs> and I remember being in tears and just being like, this isn't for me. What am I going to do with my life? I have no I have no idea. And of course, I was like 19. I didn't have to have it figured out, but I thought I did. And so I switched my major to economics and I loved that major. I had really great professors, really nice classmates with me. But so that's just my my life has greatly changed course from what I came to West Point to be. And also, I guess as a part of that, I guess it kind of ties in with the last question to what I'm proud of is, you know, myself, my family were really I'm actually like a really outgoing person. I don't think I was that way at West Point. I think I was a bit of a wallflower. I was so nervous and shy and didn't have a lot of self-confidence in the way that I think I do now. And I've used that since to be really service-oriented, but in a different way than the military. So in my current practice as a therapist, I am all about supporting and lifting up other people. And then my husband, who the love of my life, he is a public defender and does indigent um, public appellate defense in Detroit. And together, we're really dedicating you know our lives to to serving our community and and helping people. So that's a really big part of my identity now even more so than I was in the military when I was in the military. So yeah, I'd love for people to know that about me. Yeah. That's uh, very cool to hear, es especially the reason why you wanted to get to, to West Point. Yeah. It's not too late, right? You can still be the first woman on sure. Mars as of this yeah. recording. No one's been well, now there, you so. can just like buy a ticket, <laughs> I guess. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But also, yeah, thanks for talking about, you know, the service oriented uh, you know, career path and also just lifestyle that you and your husband are pursuing. I feel like that's a common theme with a lot of our classmates. Yeah. And it's always cool to just hear about the different ways that people are giving back and also using their abilities. So yeah, absolutely. Very awesome. Well, maybe related to that, Priya, I'll pivot to question four. What's something currently in the works or in the future that you're most excited to share about with our audience? Yeah, I would love to share about my current work. I 
co-own a psychotherapy practice in Michigan um, called Healing Home Counseling Group. And we are a perinatal mental health practice. And we also support um, youth mental health. So you know, myself, um, as I shared about some of the mental health challenges I had as a result of birth, birth trauma, and just as a parent, of course, I know you, Matt, as a parent too, like it's hard. It's really hard. And sometimes our desire to be kind of perfect or do everything just right because we love our children so much can actually take an enormous toll on our on our mental health. So our practice is trained and certified in perinatal mental health, and all of our therapists are somewhere on their journey of parenthood, whether they're planning to conceive at some point or adopting or have children, multiples. We have a great team of parents that are doing this kind of uh, mental health care. And my partner, Annie Phillips, and I, we were, we are clinical social workers by school, and we actually did peds oncology at Children's Hospital Michigan for years. And then we realized that through our own birth experiences and being a parent, like we wanted to translate those skills into psychotherapy. And we actually just started our practice in January 2021. So like in the thick of the pandemic, where a lot of parents, including ourselves, we both had babies in early 2020. And like my husband was deployed when I had our third. So I was on my own. And just having support from each other was so meaningful. So we realized, oh, we want to start a practice and give this support to others as well. So we started in January 2020 and we are expanding. We It was just the two of us doing telehealth out of our home offices. And now we have a huge office space. We're going to um, hopefully add on to it soon. We have a team of about four therapists right now that will be with us, and we're hoping to grow that as well. So that's just really exciting from a professional standpoint because, it, you know, it's our baby, I guess, not to, to to use a right on the nose metaphor, but like we grew it and we're so, we're so proud of it and we're excited to support more and more parents. It's, it's just an area that unfortunately it is often overlooked, the, that kind of support. And then I would just say personally, what I have in the works or our family has in the works is that we are really hopeful to grow our family. Uh, Mike, my husband, and I both for a long time have known that we were hoping to adopt and adopt older children. So we are in the process, which is a long and um, sometimes emotionally challenging process of adapting through state ward adoption. So those are children that have their parental, the, their birth parents' parental rights have been terminated, and they are hoping to be adopted out of foster care. And children on that registry in the state of Michigan, they're anywhere from 5 to 18. So to us, it's like the idea that we could be someone's home base, even if they're 17, 16, and just want a place to call home, want parents to call and say, like, how do I pay this bill? Or how do I navigate this thing in college? Like, we want to be that for hopefully one or more children. So we started that process almost two years ago. There's so much like training and paperwork and all of that that goes into it. And we, um, we haven't quite matched yet, but we are really hopeful that that will happen for our family soon. Yeah. So we're excited about that. 
that potential. And our kids are actually really excited about it as well, which makes me feel like as a parent, we've done the right thing by you know, instilling in them the value that if there's a child out there that's in need of a home, of course we would help them. In fact, sometimes they are more impatient for um, <laughs> kids, more kids in the house than even Mike and I are. Well, that's very touching. Not just, you know, the endeavor for, for you and your husband, just, yeah, like you said, your, your family and your children are also on board and they're excited and impatient yeah. to a certain extent. Well, Priya, I was going to ask you a quick follow-on question back to your first answer about, you know, starting your practice. Like, how did you and your partner manage to persevere during the pandemic? Like you said, you just started in January 2020. I was afraid just to get in the elevator in my apartment building. But like, yes, went and pushed forward with starting your practice. Like, how did you commit to staying through and seeing it? I will say it was an idea that was in the works for a while, but we were both, I was pregnant with my third child and Annie, my partner was pregnant with her second. And we're just like, well, we'll, we'll start making steps towards opening our own practice. It was actually over a couple glasses of wine at a benefit that we were like, let's do it. Let's, let's get this ball rolling. But yeah, it was a slow process and we figured we'll have our babies, have um, some maternity leave and then really dive in. But we saw just like a huge need come up. You know, lots of parents were really struggling and in some ways, because we had each other and we had, um, it wasn't our first child, we we actually felt in a better headspace to start. And because we were all, you know, kind of cloistered in our homes, teletherapy was really growing leaps and bounds. And we, yeah, we just kind of set it up and got started. It was really, um, I don't want to say that we didn't know what we were doing, but (laughs) we were learning as we went. I'll put it that way. We were learning as we went. And yeah, we just knew that it was so needed. And we both, you know, had therapists that we were able to connect with via teletherapy. And we were really surprised. We figured, okay, it'll take us about a year to get from like opening our doors, so to speak, until we're hopefully thriving. But I would say within three to four months, we were totally at full capacity and having to like refer people out because there was just such a demand. No, and we'll make sure to share the website with our audience listeners. That way they can also check it out. And if they happen to be in Detroit, or like you said, even virtual. (laughs) Yeah. And even if they don't and they need resources, like we are absolutely happy to support because thankfully we, the perinatal mental health community is so one team. And if you're somewhere else and you just need resources, we can connect you with someone where you are in whatever state you are. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. Okay. Priya, maybe I'll pivot to question five, and this is our group hands question. So this comes from our previous guest, classmate Seth Beamer. His question is, what are a couple of books or shows that you've been into lately that you think others should check out or share? Yeah, I love this question. It's so light. And I, so I grew up in a household, I'll I'll just say that you couldn't watch TV during the week because my mom in particular thought we'd rush through our homework in order to watch TV. And all that resulted from that was we would sneak and watch TV, right? Like we'd sneak down to the basement and catch like 15 minutes of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or whatever was on. And I love TV now. Like if I have free time and I'm not doing an activity, I want to have a TV on. 
And so, yeah, and thankfully my husband loves to watch TV too. So we have been watching, we or we watched and we are anticipating the second season, Severance. I don't know if you've seen it. It's on Apple TV. It is so kind of trippy and interesting and kind of reminds me of the military or corporate world in a little in a way. It's like they'll give you like little pieces of swag to make you think your job isn't so mundane and boring. And you only really know about kind of your piece of the pie and you're you're a little disconnected from some of the other areas, but it's so, so interesting. And then the other like kind of feel good show that we've been watching is Ted Lasso, which I know a lot of people have been into. I love, I love the sports aspect. And then even though I typically shy away from anything heavy, like mental health related because of my work in a, in an entertainment and a show. I love how they do broach uh, mental health needs and just like vulnerability and trauma and all of that in that show um, in just such a lighthearted, relatable way. And so that's been another show that we've been really into. And then in terms of books, I actually recently had joined a book club, which if you asked me way back when at 17, when I was at West Point, I was like, I hate reading. I don't want to do this. This is horrible. And it actually was it was cow, was it cow English? Did we have to take English where we were learning about Iran? Yeah. That cow year? Yeah. Yeah. So, Persepolis and everything. Yeah. Yes. Persepolis in particular, like inspired me to like get into reading as an adult. Like I, it's so funny. And I often will think back and I think someone had mentioned Major Hacker, a professor, and he had unfortunately um, was killed in action, but he actually was an amazing professor and really made reading fun. Fast forward to I just wanted something to dive back into that was enriching. And so I joined a book club and a really um, beautiful book that's close to uh, my heart is by Jhumpa Lahiri, and it's called The Namesake. That's a really beautiful, she's an Indian author and yeah, it's just like a really beautiful book. So I hadn't, I hadn't read it. And so I finally got an opportunity to, and then the other book that she also had written, Interpreter of Maladies, is gorgeous as well. So I'm really hoping to continue to read more. Yeah. And, and get into some nonfiction as well, but those are the ones that stand out to me. Nice. Well, if anything, maybe any of our other classmates are also reading the same books, or at least they're checking out Ted Lasso and Severance can have a, another you know, discussion point to catch up with you on. Sure. Well, Priya, I'll move to our last question. And this is the you know question that you want to ask the next classmate. Mm-hmm. So what would you like to ask the next guest? <laughs> yeah. So I, um, when I was reflecting on this, and I, I, I know I shared a little bit with you earlier, I was thinking back, and this is actually when we were at Nationals for lacrosse. We had a really great officer who um, was one of the OCs for the team. She's an aviation officer, and I just cannot remember her name. But she was lovely and um, was very supportive. And she had, we were actually in Jen Barry McGibbon at the time's house because she lived in Plano where we were at. So she, Jen is married to our classmate, Nick Barry. And Jen was a year behind us. But she, this officer had told us, you know, don't let West Point be your biggest accomplishment. This is just a starting point. Like, yes, you should be, you know, you're almost at graduation. You should be so proud of yourself. 
but this shouldn't be the hardest challenge you face in your life or that you're the most proudest of overcoming. And oh my gosh, I'm tearing up again. I was tearing up earlier. (laughs) And I just think it's so true. Like that was one apex of so many that we can have in our lives. And I guess, so my question is, what is the biggest challenge that you have faced since West Point that you, you know, were able to overcome? And yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, that's a great message from your coach. And I'll just ask you (laughs) the question now, what's the biggest challenge that you've overcome since? Not to reduce it down to one word, but parenting. You know, you are molding these beautiful human beings. I have three gorgeous kids, Jack, who's seven, Leela, who's five, and Rowan, who is three. And it is just the hardest and the best thing that I've ever done. And I feel so grateful to be a parent. Um, I know that it's not easy for everyone. And, and it's not for everyone, but I feel really grateful to be a parent, just something that I was meant to do. But yeah, every day sometimes feels like a challenge or many challenges. And when I see my daughter, I want to help a friend. Or when I see my oldest, want to hold hands with my youngest because he's afraid of something. Or when they talk about wanting to be a social worker, even though they don't totally understand it, but they know I'm a feelings doctor is how I describe it. They want to do that. They want to make people feel better. The, those moments, I'm like, oh, I, I'm all these mini challenges that are actually really big because they are putting these new people out into the world. And hopefully you're putting goodness out into the world, which is a tall order sometimes. And when I see like many like mounting of the peaks, I'm very... I just, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, that's what she was talking about. Like West Point is hard in its own right, and but that's just you, right? That's you and supporting your classmates, but it's such an individual accomplishment. And now I realize to be able to support my family and impart values and, yeah, again, put goodness out in the world through these adorable little faces, humans that I'm in charge of, that that feels like a harder, but in some ways, even more rewarding challenge that I am currently working on. Well, beautifully said, Priya. You know, just want to thank you for for being a guest and also for sharing that last perspective on the biggest challenge you overcome. Before we, you know, conclude the upset, I'll just ask, is there any final call to action from our classmates? or, you know, ways they can get in touch with you? Yeah. So first, I hope everyone who knew me gets in touch with me. I I am not a big person on social media. I honestly only use it for work, but I love, I love connecting with people. So like, Matt, it's just been a pleasure to catch up with you and hear about your life. And yeah, so I would love anybody who connects with me or or who wants to connect with me that does. And I guess in terms of call to action, just so near and dear to my heart is perinatal mental health, of course, and um, on the journey of parenthood, recognizing that any one of us or anybody that we might love or even just an acquaintance that you see struggling to not 
do nothing, to instead try to connect them with resources. We, our practice is certified through um, Postpartum Support International, which is an incredible organization that is just that international. So anywhere in the world, if someone is in need of support through the journey of parenthood, to please check out their website. They do a lot of free services. And as a part of that, They fundraise each year and their efforts are called Climb Out of the Darkness. And it is about supporting not just the birthing parent or mother, but also the non-birthing parent or father because the prevalence rate of postpartum and pregnancy anxiety, as well as postpartum and pregnancy depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, in rare cases, postpartum psychosis, it's actually much higher than we think. Postpartum depression in particular, on the low end, it's estimated that 20% of birthing parents or mothers experience it and 10% of non-birthing parents or fathers experience it, which is something that we don't talk about enough, how hard um, especially the early parts of parenthood are. So I would just really encourage you if you see someone struggling, you know, connect them with that resource or have them reach out to me and I'll connect them to a resource. And if you are a new parent or you know a new parent, make sure that you ask the not just how's the baby doing? Is the baby sleeping? But are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you getting an opportunity to leave your house? I really ask about the parental wellness too, because that's often overlooked it because of how beautiful and cute the baby is, we forget that there might be a parent really struggling behind that adorable baby. So that would be my call to action. Great. Thank you, Priya. And, you know, I just want to thank you again, you know, for sharing your memories from the Lady Lax days and your plebeer journeys up the hill, you know, your art career, just being open to opportunities and embracing them throughout, you know, the the way that you come across and and your expanding perinatal practice too with Healing Home Group and for sharing your own personal journey of parenthood. And uh, we look forward to following your journey as you grow your family through adoption and as more people reach out and connect to you and hopefully more people listen to the podcast and and also get inspired to talk to other classmates so thanks again priya and i close every show with our class motto never falter never quit until next time never quit yes awesome thank you so much matt this was a pleasure Thanks for listening to O6 Answers. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on O6 Answers are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the United States Army, Department of Defense, or any other agency, organization, company they have or currently work for. Nor does its use imply endorsement of our opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. Any material presented here is for general information purposes only. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at O6 Answers.